0: This is Nick Gizmondi, and you're listening to the Tomahawk Roundup.
1: All right, so what is going on, guys? This is Frank Zoroski here with the Tomahawk Roundup, and I am joined by a familiar face to Blackhawks fans, Nick Gizmondi of NBC Sports Chicago. Nick, how are you today?
0: Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, obviously, the boys are playing well, so that makes life a little bit easier, but uh Dealing with the snow and the cold, uh, not not necessarily anything I'm not used to, uh, having grown up in Michigan. But uh, yeah, all, everything considered, uh, everything is great, right? Now.
1: Yeah, everything's great right now, especially with how the Hawks are playing.
0: Well, listen, this is a good hockey team. Uh, you know, I, I've I've been saying it for two years now since I got to Chicago that that this is a group that that has a direction. It's got great leadership in in Stan Bowman, and I'm a very Fan and have been from the very beginning of Jeremy Carlton. So I'm not I'm not really surprised to see where this group has gone. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of buy-in right now. There's a, a, a lot of push and pull in the in the same direction. And anytime you can do that, it, it, it doesn't necessarily you don't have the most you don't have to have the most talented guys on a roster in order to be successful. You need to have everybody that is you know playing a role and doing the right thing and pushing and pulling in the right direction. And, and for Chicago right now, that, that's what you're getting. And and it's not, to, it's not to knock the guys that were there last year because the season didn't end the way they wanted to. It's just that now you have everybody, veterans, rookies, all going in the same direction. And, and, and you know, that's a big credit to, to, to Jeremy Collinson because he, it takes a minute to get that going. You, you have such a core group and such an amazing group of guys and Hall of Famers in Chicago, and they're so used to doing things a certain way for such a long time that change is difficult. And when Jeremy Collinson came in, he had to change some things. He wanted to change the way they played hockey. He wanted to adapt the system a bit. And since he's been able to do that, the results are, are what you're seeing right now. You're seeing a team that, on paper, people questioned, but um, you know the result on the ice has been fantastic. And and I see no reason why it won't continue
1: here. And that's, and that's the thing, because I, I, the way I compare, them, uh, compare the, this year's Blackhawks to is an example from 1972, the Miami Dolphins defense, the no-name defense. And the reason I use that comparison is it may not be the flashiest guys on the ice. You may not have all the superstars we had in 13 and 10, but they're getting the job done. And like you said, they're playing their respective roles, and that's what matters.
0: Well, the future superstars are the guys that you're seeing right now, and the, the current way the NHL is built and exists with salary caps and et cetera, you can't keep a, a team together and go on big long runs. In fact, the run that the Chicago Blackhawks went on uh, in the in the early 2000s there or I guess it's yeah it's still early 2000s. You're not gonna. That might be the last great big run that we see an an organization make for a while. I think people thought maybe okay, St. Louis is gonna go on that run. Well, they went for one, and then and then it pitted out. And then you know, same thing with some some of the Pittsburgh Penguin teams and the LA Kings. They suffered as well in that regard. So you just can't go on. 15-year amazing runs. There's going to be a lack. There's going to be a rebuild, quote-unquote. There's going to be a retooling of some kind. And and you're seeing that right now for for Chicago. The thing that I would be excited about if I'm a Blackhawks fan, and I am a Blackhawks fan, obviously, is that the, the, the young guys are showing a ton of promise. One of the biggest questions coming into this season after trading away Robin Leonard and then the Corey Crawford situation was, okay, well, what are they going to do in the goaltending? Right. Uh, but you're getting guys stepping up and doing what they're supposed to do in a big way. Kevin Lankinen is getting a lot of the attention right now, but Malcolm Subban has been brilliant as well in the starts that he's gotten. So the biggest question has been answered. And then on top of that, you've got some of these young guys, some of these European guys that are just absolutely t- impressing. And And it's that sort of thing that, that, that Hawks fans can get excited and inspired about because it's those type of things that uh, – that are going to be the, the, the building blocks of the future and the foundation that this organization is going to go forward
1: with. And that's, and that's a big thing. And just, just talking about that, especially with the young European guys, it's almost like some, like we're in Chicago and we know about these guys, like Pia Suter, like Khrushchev, like Ian Mitchell. But for the rest of the league, it's like, who are these guys? Where are they coming from? It's like they're coming out of thin air.
0: Yeah, i give a lot of credit to Stan Bowman and his scouting staff, especially his European scouts, for that. You know, I think people don't understand that. You know, Stan does a lot of that on his own. Stan spent a lot of time over in Europe. He did it a lot last year when the off started the season overseas. They understand how 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 to figure these guys out and, and, and the strategy. And listen, I, I, I Stan's a pure hockey guy in in my opinion. I, I I enjoy my conversations with with Stan Bowman. I mean, it's a leg, legendary hockey family and. And and you can talk hockey with Stan all day long. And I'm lucky enough to get the opportunity to talk hockey with Stan pretty frequently. And and his process is smart and it's simple though. It's take a look at what the situation is. Take a look at what your roster draft where you can get the guys you want in those first, in those first few rounds. But after that, your job is to basically supplement, supplement the, supplement the, supplement the roster Fill in the gaps where, fill in the gaps where you can, with uh, with guys that are somewhat unknown or maybe a little bit of a surprise, and, and that's where the European scouting comes in. That's where you can grab, grab guys out of the Swedish elite leagues and 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 some of those other European leagues, and really put guys in a good spot and fill those gaps in your roster. You need a piece, you get the right piece, and, and that's where the European scouting comes
1: in. Yeah, the, and the European scouting, like we saw with Lucas Reichel, who who we selected at 17 last draft, just, just again, people people question a lot of things, but until you're behind that bench, you're behind the laptop screen, how do you know what you're going to be doing?
0: Well, yeah, there's a lot of armchair GMs out there, and... Uh, <laughs> That I'm a pretty savvy hockey guy, but I'm definitely no general manager of an NHL club. But I played the game long enough, and I've been around it long enough, and I got enough friends that are pretty high involved in it to know what what it takes to be a winner in this league. And and I think that what you're seeing right now out of the Chicago Blackhawks is that. You know, whatever we live in a world of immediacy right now. Everybody wants everybody wants what they want, and they want it right away. <laughs> you know, you can. You can, you, can, you can go on an app and order food and it shows up at your door in 20 minutes from any restaurant you want. You can, you can have groceries brought out to your car. You can search any piece of information on the miniature computer that you have in your hands and get the answer in 20 seconds. And so we, we take that mentality and we transfer it over to our sports teams. We live in Chicago. We want the Chicago Blackhawks to be an original Sixth Dynasty like they've always been. We want it right now. We don't want to wait a year or two years, for the build-off to happen. We want it to be immediate, and we expect it to be immediate, and unfortunately, that's just not the reality of what professional sports, especially professional hockey, is right
1: now. Right. So, shifting a little bit to you, Nick, you know, during your time in Plymouth, you know, there were a number of great players that you got a chance to work with, Chris Thorburn, James Neal. How did your experience there help you evolve as a broadcaster?
0: Well, it helped me to evolve as a broadcaster because it was a big transition for me. I was I was playing in the Compuware organization, and Truthfully, wanted to continue to be a hockey player, but injuries and whatnot step in, and you know my transition from on the ice to the booth was not one that I necessarily expected, but a pleasant surprise. And a lot of that credit goes to to Mike Volucci, who's the assistant coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike was the the head coach of the Plymouth Whalers. I was a 15 year old eager, wide eyed kid, and you know I marched into Mike's office at the time he was the coach of the Compuware Ambassadors, and you know, Mike gave me an opportunity, and, you know, truthfully, you know, helped me, you know, get down this path and, and to this day is, is one of my closest friends. And and from there, you know, I think it helped that I was the same age as most of the players that I was announcing when I was in the North American League and in the OHL because, you know, we got a little bit of a bond. And, I, and in some cases, I was younger than those guys, so the older guys took me under their wing a little bit and took care of me. And, you know, there were guys like, you know, Stephen Weiss, and James Neal, and... You know, Johnny Mitchell, uh, gosh, and I mean, especially, you know, my best friend still to this day, Justin Williams. So, you know, Justin Williams was there when I was there, and and he and I are the same age. And, you know, that guy and I, we've been friends now for for coming up on 25 years. And his family, he's got two gorgeous kids and and a wife now as well. And, you know, I'm Uncle Nick to Jackson Jade, his kids, and Justin's somebody that I talked to gosh, if not every day, it's at least every other day. So, you know, I think for me, the, the friendships and the understanding certainly helps me as a broadcaster. Uh, you know, I would also say that it helps vouch for you in the league. I think guys, guys in the, guys in the NHL know of me because of what I've A, done as a broadcaster, but you know, B, because of who my friends are, you know, and that, and that goes a long way. Justin Williams is obviously extremely respected in the league. Mike is ex- respected amongst coaches and general managers. My other best buddy is Andre Kopitar, and he's a pretty decent player. So
1: yeah, I'd when, say so. When, uh, when guys know that you're good, you're good for and vouched for by guys that are well respected in the league, it sort of lowers the walls a little bit for
0: you, right? And then yeah, and then they take a then they take a close look at your body of work and they look at you and they're like, okay, he's a hockey guy, like. Gizmo talks the language, he understands the game, you know, he's an advocate of the game of hockey, and you know, that's all hockey players and people in the business really care about. They they want their sport to be treated the way that it deserves to be treated, and I think that you know, in order to cover a sport like hockey, you have to have some attachment to it. And I'm not taking anything away from broadcasters that have never played the game, because there's some amazing ones out there, some unbelievable ones, but I certainly think that that it helps uh, when when you when you've actually put the skates on and blocked a shot or taken a hit or no one's like to look around. Oh, and look yeah, to the guy to the left or the right of you and across the room and be like, all right, let's go to war tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're suiting up for war with the guys next to you and that and that bond. You know, it's like I if if that's what I felt at this age, imagine what these guys are feeling in the NHL or whatever professional league you're covering. No. Yeah. So during your 13 years at Universal Sports Network, your focus was the Olympics. How does one go about covering the Olympics with such a wide breadth of sports and topics?
0: Well, it's tricky. Uh, and I think that, that taught talking a lot about being a broadcaster. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to learn that want to get into this business. You know, I think, I think a lot of people call and reach out and they think that being a broadcaster is fun or sexy or cool or whatever. And it's very fun, but you have to pay your dues and you have to sort of kind of, it's not a direct line from a to B as a 15 year old. I wanted to be an announcer in the NHL and that's the path that I was on, but that's just not how it works. There's every one of those jobs in the league and they're the best of the best, at least for the most part. And, You know, I think it goes back to that immediacy where everybody wants it, but that's that's not how it works. I've been a broadcaster for 25 years. I've only announced in the NHL for four. So, you know, it took me 21, 22 years to get the job that I wanted in the NHL. And as a result, the path took me in different directions. But in doing so, it it, it helped get me to where I wanted to be. You know, you mentioned that 13 years at NBC, and it was awesome. Uh, You know, it taught me. You really got to do your homework. I was basically a utility host, play by play guy, and reporter. Sports that I've never even participated in, nor thought about ever covering, or barely even watched before. So, you know, it took a lot of homework and a lot of preparation, and that really sort of gave me a platform of diligence on how to do homework. And even though I know hockey in and out, and Uh, You know, I feel like I'm very knowledgeable about it. I still spend a ton of time doing homework for it because there's always something that you can have. And the the, the loneliest, scariest place in the world is in front of that camera or microphone with nothing to say. Mm -hmm. So it has to be your homework. The devil is a thousand percent in the details. And, you know, doing those Olympic sports that I've never really cared to watch before taught me that. You know, when you get a phone call that you got to do alpine and skiing from slovenia at five o'clock in the morning okay you know i don't even know how to i don't even know what the general rules of the sport are so anytime you do a new sport you got to know the history of the sport you got to know the rules of the sport you got to know the language of the sport you got to know who the current players are who the former players are why they do things a certain way what's the etiquette how do you broadcast it so What it did was that 13 years at at nbc taught me very much what i was supposed to do in order to fine tune the broadcaster that i was and you know i carry those i carry that mentality over into uh, into who i am now and how i broadcast games now even though i know the sport of hockey inside and out my preparation doesn't change i still do a ton of homework i still read articles i still watch video i still scout the other team I'm still looking at trends. I'm asking intelligent questions of the coaching staff and the players, and and I think that, that that all helps you be a better broadcaster, and it also puts you in a better light with the guys that you're, you're talking about.
1: And that's and that's the thing. Like when I started out and when I got into broadcasting, people asked me, you know, how do you how do you remember all this stuff? Where do you get all this? I said, I may have a good memory, but it doesn't come to me by osmosis. it, it... no no. So much. And listen, there's still like, I've still evolved the way that I have my notes and I still have the ways
0: that I evolve my roster. And that comes from working with guys that you admire. Pat Foley, unbelievable broadcaster. One of, one of the best in the league, uh, Johnny Forslund, who's one of my closest friends. He and I talk all the time about how we prep and how we do things. And Kenny Daniels in Detroit is another guy who I have constant conversations with and we share things and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw on uh, Instagram that, you know, that Kenny has a new way of doing his roster. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. He's like, I'll send you the file. He goes, try it out. See if you like it. Um, when I was in Vegas, you know, I, I did that with some of my broadcast partners. I was like, they were like, hey, that roster template is really cool. I'm like, I'll send it to you. Try it out. See if you like it. You know, so that teamwork camaraderie is a, is a, big, is a big part of it, but the preparation is massive. And then, you know, the other guy that gets – a ton of credit for who i am as a broadcaster is, is eddie olchak you know edzo's been edzo's been a close friend of mine for 13 years you, you know that's another guy that that we've always been tight with and he gets the primary assist for getting me to chicago when when things went south in, in vegas and we we parted ways with with my broadcast partner brad may and, and our sideline reporter ali lozoff Eddie Olchek and Johnny Forslund were the first two guys to call me and both then over backwards to try to figure out what was going to happen and you know it was Edzo that basically called 10 minutes after the press release came out from Vegas and I literally think it was less than 48 hours later uh, I was on the phone with the folks at the Blackhawks and and I I was on my way to Chicago so you know your preparation and your determination will certainly affect your outcome and you know, guys like that aren't just going to be generous with people that they, they don't know care about the game and care about the
1: the process. So, you know, you do your job and you work hard and you
0: earn it and you pay your dues and, and that's when people start to look out for you. But so much of it is in the preparation. So I, much of it is in the preparation.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And just talking about Eddie Olczyk, you know, you work with him in Sioux City. And you you kind of touched on it a little bit with him calling you ten minutes after the release went out about Vegas. How did how did how, what is it like just going back to that like almost picking off picking up where you left off with uh, Mr. Olchek? How was it for you?
0: Yeah, it was it was hand in glove. I mean, Edzo is one of the greatest human beings that you will ever meet. Yeah, he's he's an unbelievably talented broadcaster. He's one of the smartest hockey minds, but. Edzo has got one of the biggest hearts and one of the kindest people that I've, I've ever met. No matter what the situation is, Edzo's always been. Uh, he's been a sounding board. He's been a friend. He's been family. All of his kids are 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 like little brothers and little sister to me. So, you know, it's family. It's family. Edzo is the same way. Family first. Family means everything, and we have that same mentality. And Eddie eddie and i and his entire family are our family to me you know when when i found out edzo was sick i I cried i was devastated and and i cried again when you know when when he called and told me that he was he was all good and 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 then for him to do what he did for me last year to get me to chicago i mean i'll never be able to repay that Uh, you know he called and I answered the phone. I was obviously upset, and I was a little bit angry, and I was confused as, as to what went on. And, and you know, Edzo called, and I answered it right away. And he goes, Gizmo? He goes, what do we got? He goes, first, what happened? And I explained what went on. And we both had a conversation about that. And he said, what do we need to do? And I said, ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, would you want to come to Chicago? And I said, I would love to come to Chicago. He goes, let me make some phone calls. We'll see what happens. I'll get back to you hang tight. We'll figure it out. You don't deserve blah, blah, blah. Let's get it dialed in. And literally called me uh, uh I think it was honestly, he probably called me back that night and told me that the phone was going to ring tomorrow, and then he called the day after that. I mean, it was incredible. It was, it was incredible. It's like Eddie Olczyk gets the primary assist. It's like he, he picked up the puck uh, at his own blue line, dangled like three guys in the neutral zone, and then crossed the blue line, dangled a defenseman, and then just ripped some sauce pass over the last V-man stick and I'm standing at the back door at the crease and basically just let it hit my stick and tapped it in and, and that's how I got to Chicago but there's there are if Eddie Olczyk called me tomorrow and, and said hey Gizmo I'm in a tough spot I need a heart and you're a match I would literally cut mine out with a butter knife
1: and hand it to him. yeah and, I, and you and me both you talked about his illness you know I remember when I talked with him about it it was pretty close after the 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 recovery went public, so right after he was deemed in remission, so I know exactly what you're talking about with Eddie Olchick and I couldn't echo your words more. Obviously, you know him better than I do, but I just am, I'm just I want to reiterate for our listeners that this is this is a one of a kind human who just is so is so great to people. Yeah,
0: they broke the mold when they made him, and uh, the world. A better place with him in it, and certainly the hockey world was a better place with him in it, Yeah. So hopefully he's around for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, so there's one specific momentous game that you covered, uh, Patrick Kane's 1,000th point against the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets at home. I'll never forget that game, just sitting in front of the TV with some popcorn and a clipboard. How was it being ranked site for that special contest and record?
0: Yeah, I mean, massive. Again, there's another situation for me that that will forever carry weight. I watched Patrick Kane when he was a 14 year old, 13, 14 year old playing playing for Honeybaked in in Michigan in the uh, Tier One Elite League, I believe it. Well, it wasn't maybe that. I'm not sure what league it was back then, but uh, you know, it was awesome watching him as a kid, and then covering him when he was playing for the London Knights in the OHL, and and then getting a chance to sort of. Reunite and cover him, uh, you know, with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then to be able to have a first interview after his thousandth point, had a sold out United Center in Chicago with 22,000 people watching you live in the arena, another, I don't even know how many across Canada and the United States, and just knowing that it was a massive moment for him. Those are moments as a broadcaster, obviously, you're excited about and you relish and you enjoy, but. Those are the moments that you got to realize it's got nothing to do with you and it's got everything to do with him. So mm-hmm. it's ask the question, get out of the way, and, and let him have the spotlight. And that's not a guy that needs much prodding. His, his his demeanor and his candor and his his love for the game of hockey comes out through and through. But very cool to be able to interview him. Um, you know, I think in that moment one of the coolest things was is just – how 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 nervous I was before I don't think I've been nervous that nervous in, in, in since maybe my first or second broadcast. But knowing that moment and knowing how special it was to him, I, I stayed. I stood there right before I went out to talk to him, and I'm like, "Do not screw this up for Patrick Kane." Yeah, like, I don't even care about you, but like, do not screw this up for Patrick Kane. Um, yeah. and and I went out and we did the interview and we shared a really cool moment afterwards. We he's a pretty close to the best guy, but. When I thanked him and he, he he walked away, he he gave me a little, he, you know, he gave me the hockey player, you know, he gave me the hockey player stick tap on the back and kind of the nod as he went into the locker room, you know, that was sort of the the uns, the unspoken, thanks Gizmo, appreciate you, good job, and, you know, and that, that was for me... That was, for me, a, a, a big moment. Nope, not many people saw it. I think somebody picked it off when they read, uh, whatever, the year anniversary of it. Somebody picked it off on Twitter and, and saw the exchange of of looks that he and I gave each other in the stick tap, and they, they pointed out the mutual respect, but it was it was super cool for me. I mean, gosh, he's I think he's the best American-born hockey player ever to play the game. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. He'll... He'll be an icon for years to come, but certainly special, certainly very
1: special. Yes, yes, really special, and that's that. I I won't forget watching that game. Just just <laughs> being on pins and needles for whenever it did happen. Whenever it happened, because you didn't know when it was going to happen, and when it did happen, you know everybody's going ballistic, and like you said, twenty two thousand people going nuts.
0: Yeah, it was, it, was, it was cool. I mean, you stepped out onto the ring to do that interview afterwards and 22,000 bucks still in the seat at the United Center and you're just kind of like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah I mean listen credit to the city of Chicago the passion I've never seen it before listen Vegas is super passionate about their team and god they love those guys and they should and that fan base is is just Uh, they're ravenous and they're in love and they're loud and it's amazing and and, you know I felt the same way with the Chicago Blackhawks fans they are just you know I think honestly and I told Edzo this and I told the organization the most nervous I was about coming to Chicago was because I know how much that fan base respects and loves their team and their broadcasters so you know for me my goal when I got to Chicago was earn earn their respect you're not just going to get it like, I got to come in, I got to do a good job, I got to cover this team, I got to be in the community, and I want to be in the community, and I want to do a good job, because geez, it's an original six franchise in one of the most iconic cities in the world, and you know, I know what, what the Words family and Rocky has done for the city and for that organization, and I felt the weight of the responsibility fully on my shoulders when I came in to do a good job. And, um you know, it was massively important to me.
1: No, and that that is massively important. Nick, before we head out today, is there anything you wanna to say to the city of Chicago, the US, Canada, and beyond?
0: Yeah, no, I I love y'all. Uh, I, I you know <laughs> I don't know what to say about how well y'all have treated me since I've come there. It was obviously, you know, a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I thought I was gonna spend a, a good portion of my career in, in Vegas and when it didn't work out and I was able to come to Chicago, I was blown away by the love and the support and the kindness of the fans and the kindness of the organization. I never felt more at home. And I'll tell you what, the Chicago Blackhawks franchise is white glove, man. They are, they are as classy and as amazing as you could ever find. And it's, uh, it's just an honor to be in that city. And it's an honor to be with that organization. And uh, I hope I'm there for a very long time.
1: I hope you're there, too, for a long time. Nick Gizmondi, NBC Sports Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks. Nick, thank you so much for the time. All
0: right, thanks for having me.